0: Agent Scully, Agent Mulder, Chief Blevins assures us of your cooperation. We regret any inconvenience at this extreme hour.
1: We hope that your expertise in extraordinary phenomenon will help us answer some questions. You're not FBI, are you?
0: to Discovering the X-Files, the podcast in which a newbie, that's me, takes a deep dive into the entirety of Chris Carter's creepy universe, as longtime fans escort me on the journey, a journey filled with paranoid conspiracies and monsters of the week. I'm Erics Antoine, and today Daniel and I will be discussing the episode Shadows, which originally aired in the U.S. on October 22nd, 1993. It was written by Glenn Morgan and James Wong and directed by Michael Lang. In this episode, Mulder and Scully investigate mysterious deaths linked to a secretary who may be haunted by the spirit of her dead boss, who is using her to uncover his murder and also discover a conspiracy regarding covert arms deals made with Middle Eastern radicals. Yes, that's a handful. After the break, Daniel and I are going to get into it. Stick around.
1: You have been given the chance to tell him again. Take it. Tell him you love him by showing him, by, by helping us finish his unfinished business. Lauren. How will you ever be able to rest if he never can?
0: All right, so that was a weird episode, wasn't it? Like uh, that's that's uh, a strange little forty-five minutes of television. Not sure if I mean that necessarily in a good way, but you know, it's. I, I guess I just have one little question: which did it need to be that convoluted? You know what I mean? Like, was was it necessary for it to be that convoluted? you know, Glenn Morgan and James Wong, 45 minute screenplay, did you, did you need to stick everything in there? <laughs> what, like, was it like a bunch of story conferences where you, where you had all these disparate ideas? You go like, well, you know, we could do this, we could do this, or we could, I mean, I, I will say this, I, I, I was entertained. I was entertained by what I watched. I, you know, I had a few laughs. I'm not, I'm not sure if it was exactly in the manner that its makers intended. Necessarily, I think that, but you know, let, let's 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 kind of backtrack. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's basically, you have a, a an episode that is sort of set up like, and they even make an allusion to this in the episode itself, in the dialogue of the episode. They make a little joke where you have this setup that appears to be like they're doing a riff on Carrie, kinda like that's. At first glance, it seems to be that. Shortly after that, you. And, you know, if you do some behind-the-scenes investigations, you find out that the writers were influenced by the entity. And yes, yes, there's a bit of that, too. And then clearly this one episode might have been a huge influence on, you know, video game genius uh, David Cage, who, you know, in his his company Quantic Dream, years, years later did a video game called Beyond Two Souls, which has a very similar sort of... um, concept where you have this woman and you have this uh, entity that is it, it acts like uh, a kind of de facto telekinesis but it's actually like this ghost that is sort of there like as a guardian angel kind of protector and you as the as the player control both characters and it's even this incredibly convoluted thing that involves conspiracies and the government and all this stuff going on. Basically, that's what it's like. They had all these ideas. it's like, Well, you know, you have this suicide that's maybe not a suicide. And then Mm -hmm. let's throw in uh, a Middle Eastern terrorist cell in there and let's throw in like corruption, like a Halliburton kind of thing. After a while, it's like it's a little bit. It's good. Like you go like, well, it's the X-Files, so it's got to have that paranoia thriller but i'm like but does it have to does everything that do you have to do that like is that necessary for this what is really kind of a simple cockamamie story so anyway like I, i've already ranted like uh, go ahead and give me your your take on it as a fan um because you might totally disagree with me for as far as i'm concerned maybe it's one of the maybe you think it's brilliant and that's totally fine i mean go ahead and uh, run it my run it by me
1: <laughs> no no i'm um... To go off on a bit of a tangent, what it reminded me of this time watching it is I was driving around, uh, sometimes I listen to film scores in the car, and I was driving around in the car once with my two kids, and the theme music for Dario Argento's Phenomena was playing. So often when they hear something like that, they'll ask me what's it from, or if it's from a movie, I'm supposed to tell them what it's about. I said, well, it's about this girl that heard, I think, Either, her dad's either an actor or a rock star, but she gets sent off to this school off in Europe where, you know, you live there, and and uh, also she can talk to Bugs. And they said, okay, what else? I said, well, there's this killer running around, you know, knocking people off, and she's in the crosshairs of the killer. And they're like, okay, well, what else? I said, well, the, the killer's a, a little mutant dwarf that uses a giant spear to cure, kill people with. And they say, oh, okay, well, what else? <laughs> I said, well, there's also this doctor who gets murdered and then his chimpanzee who loved him so much that he's distraught by his master's murder runs around with a little razor blade attempting to avenge him. And they said, oh, OK, what else? I'm like, What else do you need? It's already gone three steps too far. That's kind of the way this episode is. To break down the plot, just in case anyone might be listening to this that hasn't watched it yet. Basically, you have this secretary who's distraught over her boss's suicide. Well, it turns out that he didn't kill himself. He was murdered, and it was made to look like a suicide. <laughs> so we, we have this scenario where you have a secretary in peril who's being protected by her boss's spirit, now a poltergeist, and she's wrapped up in something that involves her boss's corrupt business partner who has been selling parts and profiting from terrorism. So you have terrorists running around in the episode. You also have either the CIA, well, I guess it's the CIA on top of that. (laughs) (laughs) And then you have Mulder and Scully walking into the middle of this on top of that. So it's just, it's like a feature's worth of storylines just jammed together and shoved into, like, a 45-minute episode, and it's absolutely ridiculous. (laughs) Nothing gets time to breathe. And you kind of don't think how ridiculous it is while you're watching it, because it's just plot beat, plot beat, plot beat, plot beat, plot beat. There's never any time for you to stop and think about what's going on until it's over, and then realize exactly how insane it all is. I guess the simplified version of this would be her boss was killed by his corrupt business partner who wanted to keep all the money for himself. That would be the way to simplify it, but then you wouldn't have all the government and terrorist intrigue and the assassins and the CIA calling in Mulder and Scully as experts on the paranormal and their weird-ass little murder case. It's just absolutely insane. Yeah,
0: I mean, look, it's just that, like, like, you just, you the way you simplified it, you just showed a clear path. You know, because (laughs) how how does this start? Well, I mean, it starts, you know, we we meet the secretary. You know, we meet meet this week's guest star, this week's quote-unquote monster, which isn't really her, but we meet that. We meet her in the very beginning. You know, the boss has just died. Uh, Clearly, she's very distraught by this. Clearly, she cared for him. Clearly, it was a, you know, a good thing, whatever. And now she's very sad about his death. And then shortly after this, in part of the cold open, you know, um again, very convoluted cold open because you have that, and then you know, so it, there's something weird going on in that office, like I, I think they try to give you the impression that uh, something moves by the power of her mind, you know, they're still sort of pulling that off she leaves the office, gets mugged apparently her her muggers uh, you know, we're not too clear exactly on what's happening, but there's something going on there, and then all of a sudden, cut to these two squatters um <laughs> they they they're the best yeah. they're, they're, they're they're the best dressed squatters i've ever seen and at least that's what i think is they're going like oh we can crash in that apartment up there why don't you pull down the fire escape and i'm like you guys seem like you probably you don't live on the streets or anything. i mean you know you you seem like you're doing pretty well for yourselves uh but anyway so you pull that down and then you have this nice little shock thing with two dead guys who would turn out to be you know Middle Eastern terrorists? Here's the thing: um, that could have just as easily been much more simple. You have uh, the mysterious deaths of let's say two muggers, and that's what attracts you know Mulder and Scully to the case. Sure, you can have the whole thing where the it's the ghost of her boss who wants uh, justice for his murder, which was made to look like a suicide, and that's already pretty hefty. And I think that's enough but since they're they want to throw in this whole other thing where i still don't understand why it needed all that like like why they felt that it needed all that and it raises a whole bunch of questions because clearly this ghost has the power to kill people indiscriminately and viciously and at least they never make it clear that that he has to be near her in order to perform the killings if that were an element of the plot, it would make a little more sense. But I go, like, if I'm a ghost, and I'm a sentient ghost, as this clearly, this poltergeist is, and and in fact, I'm so sentient and so vivid that I can be photographed, and, you know, uh, I can somehow mysteriously appear in a very clear way that, you know, we're, we're, they have this thing that looks like a publicity photo of the actor, like, just show up in that, that weird picture they take of... of um, of the woman, and then, the, you know, like, the ghost just appears, and it's clear, and the, and they even go, like, oh, well, that he's still alive, because there he is in that picture. Well, my point is, if I'm a ghost who is very sentient and who can kill brutally, and I'm pissed off because my business partner, you know, fucked me over, murdered me, essentially, why don't I just fucking kill him? Like, why, why doesn't this ghost just kill his, his crooked business partner? I mean, okay, I'm guessing the, the it's because they it's not just that it's about uncovering the truth of the corruption that's going on. You know, that, that, that floppy disk that for some reason is like stuck in the wall paper. Like, what? like, I don't like what there, there's a floppy disk that has incriminating evidence and it's stuck in the wall. I, I, I'm still trying to figure that part out. Cause I know that like that whole spectacular showdown at the end of the episode, you know, where, you know, he's she's clearly screaming, "No, no, no! Don't kill him! Show us where the evidence is." <laughs> yeah, good idea. You know, but <laughs> my point is, that's it's just a whole big what? It's like a kitchen sink thing where I don't know if they ever really. I think they had a bunch of concepts. They just threw it all together, and it's just funny to me. You know, like a, what, like the, the the agents, the CIA, right? Is it the CIA or the NSA who are investigating? You know the the big black guy who never talks and who's just looking ominous. And then we'll occasionally say just one line. Like, that's funny, but you know, and, um, they're the NSA, right?
1: I'm not, I don't even know.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like they're, they're okay. But there's some agency, not the FBI, obviously they don't work with Mulberry and right. Scully. So, and if this is, you know, if, if this has to do with terrorism and whatever, of course it's the CIA. So whatever, they're investigating, I guess the corruption going on at this, uh, I mean, there. It's a defense contractor. I mean, that, that's what yeah. this place is. And, but they've also been kind of making under the table deals with terrorists who want to kill this woman. Why? Exactly? Do I like? Uh, <laughs> I don't like really understand that exactly because, uh, like, why do they go after her? Because she knows. Like, I, uh, okay, and. Anyway, it's just so much stuff going on, and and then she confronts. She, she she says she wants to quit, and confronts the you know the corrupt partner. Who's like, I'm not going to let you leave. But then he says, Okay, I'll, I'll let you. You know, because he feels the presence of I, again that that scene doesn't make any sense, but it's a funny scene. And then he sends uh, killers after her anyway. Like that's the that's one of the funniest scenes in the episode when the two like assassins break into her house to kill her you need two people two of them uh (laughs) to to presumably kill like an unarmed secretary (laughs) they both break in and one of them looks like uh, he basically looks like michael richard's stunt double and like so and and he gets choked that's really funny like the, the whole like it's just there's just too much going on in this episode it's 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 just fucking weird i don't like i don't get it i don't understand and what what's uh,
1: going on before we start to break everything down i, I want to read something here <laughs> Sure. Hear. apparently um here, i'll just this is a chunk off of wikipedia it says co-writer james wong felt that the changes he was asked to make to the script led to shadows turning out to be an average episode his partner glenn morgan had a sim- similar opinion calling it a little too ordinary like you have seen it before which is exactly what the network wanted at the time. And then Chris Carter himself called it more of a meat and potatoes kind of story. What?
0: <laughs> what were these people smoking? Ordinary? Like you've seen it before? I mean, look, to be fair, I guess the individual elements, sure, I've seen yeah. that before. We, we, we've we seen that before. We You know, uh, naming the influences, Carrie, The Entity, um you know, three days of the condor, like, whatever it was, like, we, we, we've seen it before, but we've never seen it before together. Like, you know, we've, we've never seen all of those things at once. And uh, I would say, like, uh, I think it's kind of admirable that they went and did that, even if what they ended up with didn't make any fucking sense, but, but it wouldn't make any sense. How, how could anything make sense when you put all these elements in that way and and did you know something kind of weird about this episode that it is so messy that Mulder and Scully are kind of I mean, maybe I'm I'm, I'm imagining things, but I kind of felt like they were barely in it
1: Kind of yeah, Uh,
0: you barely feel them in it like they they they're such non agents in the story I mean if you think about it, they do nothing to progress anything. Like, they don't... They're not responsible for anything that happens in terms of figuring things out, because things just kind of happen. And they, you know, they're in their investigation. They, you know, when they go to question her, then... I mean, the the killer who... In whose best... You know, the the poltergeist, the murderous poltergeist, in whose best interests it is for the truth to be found out, uh, decides he wants to sabotage, potentially <laughs> murder the people who are actually on the verge of discovering the truth <laughs> for whatever reason. <laughs> and uh, okay, so you have that. But you never have a situation where Mulder and Scully are like, okay, we, we figured this out, we figured that out. No, it's all just, you know, I mean, ultimately the poltergeist, you know, shows them where the mysterious floppy disk is. And again, I can't, I, I can't get past the fact that it's just stuck in the wall. It, it, it's far-fetched enough that it would even be in that office. But okay, fine. Let's say it's in that office, but why is it behind a fucking wall? I mean, you might as well just destroy the floppy disk at that point.
1: You're, you're not wrong. The most proactive thing that Mulder and Scully do that, at, that leads to anything whatsoever is him handing her his cell phone number. At one point, which she finally does call later on. Everything else they do is just confirming information that they've been handed. Like, yes, Howard is really dead. Um, and then conferring with the uh, the government agents. But, I mean, even when they question her, she never opens up. Either time, they don't get her to convince the ghost to not kill the guy. She does it on her own. It's just, <laughs> it, it really is them guest starring in her episode more than anything.
0: Yeah, yeah, so they, they feel like guest stars in their own series in, in like their own series, you yeah. know, where and that's very strange. And I mean I'm not saying it's it's unique. This is something that sometimes happens in, in, in a lot of uh, shows, but it's always a problem. Because what what it shows is that the writers came up with I guess, I guess what I see here is that they had an idea for a story. I mean they had several ideas clearly, but you know, let's let's pretend that it's just they that they actually consciously said, well, how about this this weird conspiracy thriller about a murdered dude and his secretary and et cetera, right? Okay. Yep. And then after they had that, and they probably outlined the story like anyone would, and you know, in the best way that they could, even with something this convoluted. And then they figured out, okay, well, you know, this does, this isn't the X-Files. We got to stick Mulder and Scully in here. So I guess let's just stick them in here. You know, uh, let's just, let's have them be audience surrogates essentially. And, yeah, yeah. and you can't like, that's not what you should do. You know, you you can't have them both just be observers. You can't, you know, that, that ultimately I, I'm, I'm going to lose my way because I don't give a shit about this secretary. I don't. It's the first time I've seen her. I mean, I'm mean, i sorry. And if I'm watching this on a weekly basis, you haven't given me enough to care. And since it's such an out there story about a, a conspiracy that I don't care about and that is not compelling enough for me to care about. And so really the only thing that I would care about at that point is Mulder and Scully. So if, if even they're just sort of non-agents, then I ultimately don't really care about anything. And so the reason that I was entertained by this episode was simply because it's so absurd and because the you know the the action sequences like you know the throttling of Michael Richards's stunt double or the the finale in the in the corrupt business partner's office where all the papers are flying around and the guy's getting like thrown around and then you know the the letter opener that serves as the I mean the the whole thing is just um I, I was laughing because like everything about it was just really funny and uh and i looked up uh, on wikipedia apparently the tagline the way they sold this episode okay. um the viewers was uh, you know they sold it around the whole idea of a poltergeist and so i'm like don't watch it alone you know <laughs> and then I'm going, don't watch it alone yes because perhaps you'll if you're watching it alone and you're eating a sandwich you'll start choking and you'll need somebody to like <laughs> to give you the heimlich maneuver so don't watch it alone uh you know i don't um uh it's it's strange i mean i don't um and, and for chris carter to call it a meat and potatoes episode <laughs> it's like an or- i'm going like an ordinary episode um yeah no this is not one that i would show anyone to say oh yeah the x-files it's just you know wa- watch shadows that's the episode that's going to give you a real it's a real meat and potatoes it's kind of straightforward you can just sit down and watch it uh no i i don't think like, i don't know if uh that'd be a good idea. I think it might turn people off the show.
1: It, it finally clicked with me retroactively what, what this episode is. If you take the movie Eraser, pull out Arnold and put in a poltergeist, that's this episode. <laughs> because you still have the secretary, you still have the defense contractors selling shit to people they shouldn't. And then you have some insane... Unstoppable force running around killing the shit out of everyone who tries to get a hold of her. It's a racer with a poltergeist.
0: Well, actually, you know that, that's that's a, that's a very good comparison. You're you're yeah. right. Um,
1: it's no less ridiculous.
0: Yeah, it's it's yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh you're you're right, and I think that that's and that's basically the problem. I, I think that they it's like okay, so Glenn Morgan and James Wong basically had an idea for let's say a. Uh, uh, a, a weird supernatural thriller, a kind of like a kitchen sink supernatural thriller, not unlike Final Destination, you know, which I know they didn't write, but I'm saying, like, not unlike that, because you have these mysterious deaths, these kind of like force of nature deaths that are happening, you know. The same concept might actually work for a weird horror movie, for a weird kind of slasher movie where you have this ghost that's killing everybody you know, involved in some convoluted government conspiracy. So it would probably work better as like a trashy B-movie, you know, like like a 90-minute, you know, just kind of pat it out a bit more, add a few more characters, kill a few more people, make the deaths more gory and so on, like have the ghosts throw people around the room and pale them, you know, like just come up with really elaborate omen-style deaths, you know, like, like in Final Destination. And, um... And yeah, I mean, it would probably work a lot better as just this weird B-movie that you don't really have to pay attention to. You're just sort of watching it because it's because it's got a lot of cool deaths and <laughs> you're just sort of just having a good time. Which, again, that's the part that entertains about this episode, that it's just so ridiculous and you have all these weird killings and all this just nonsense that for that moment you're entertained and it's not until... You start to think about what you're watching. That you realize that none of it's making any fucking sense. And that was the thing. I mean, you, you said that it's retroactive. For me, it wasn't so retroactive. For me, it kind of was as I was watching it. You know, because when you're sitting down and you're watching it, you're you're trying to follow it. You know, like it's it's a it, it's a you know it's the X Files. It's a it's an investigation. It's whatever it is, and you're you're trying to follow it. You're trying to get sucked in. You you know, but at one point that's what happened. It's like at first I was trying to follow it, and then they just kept bringing up some new thing, some new wrinkle (laughs) and that's where I started asking myself wait a minute so what like and then I just I just had too many questions and I was like but why and then you know what does this have to do with anything and then why did they have to do that and then you know you just begin to sort of question it and so by the time I got to the end I was like yeah that was that was certainly strange but I mean I wasn't bored I'll say that at no point was I bored but well, OK, I'll, I'll, I did start to get a little bit bored because like uh, towards like the very end, maybe the last 10 minutes where it's just a lot of sort of talky bullshit, really. At that point, I was just like, all right, dude, just, just let's wrap this up. I, I, I think we got what we needed. You know, they, they found the disc, all right? You know, it's it's done. The thing just kept kept going and going and just kind of like, eh. you know, but apart from that, I mean, it's it's not boring. It's it's ridiculous, but it's not boring.
1: Yeah, it, it really has the exact opposite problems of the last episode we watched. On You know, the Jersey Devil is kind of a lackluster Monster of the Week episode. It never goes far enough with anything that it's playing with, whereas this one goes way too far on every yeah. level. It's just opposite ends of the spectrum. One is way too little, and the other one is way too damn much. It's... Yeah. It... it and there's little things within it that I find intriguing. Like, I love the fact that a government agency is actually contacting Mulder and Scully to come in as experts in their weird little field to get their opinion on something, and they're completely serious about it. They, they're they not cracking jokes like, all oh, someone made us bring you in. Like, they legitimately want them there to hear from them, which means—I mean, you could spin a lot of stuff off from that— Why do they believe them? Do they know something that Mm -hmm. Mulder and Scully don't know? Are there other things out there that they're aware of that lead them to believe that it would be a good idea to bring the two X-Files agents in to help them on their investigation? Like there's clearly some sort of hidden level of um, respect, professional respect that they have for them to call them in on something like that during the middle of the night, apparently. And it never touches on that whatsoever. That's completely glossed over. Yeah, no, it's, just move yeah. right on by it and n- nary a word said about it.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's just one of those things. Um, I'll give it some points for... Like, the the guest actors are, are pretty good. Like, I, I think uh, the, the the main woman, the, the actress's name is Lisa Waltz. And she looks familiar, but I, I couldn't place her, honestly. She's one of those... Shows up in every other episode of something, so I'm sure that's why she looked familiar. But she's pretty good. I mean, she had she she conveys that uh, that sort of desperation, the vulnerability. She does. She gives a decent performance. The the corrupt uh, business partner is also a pretty good villain. You know, he's he's immediately unlikable. Like for the moment he appears on screen, he's just immediately sleazy and like yeah. gross and just immediately. And he's got some really funny line deliveries, like when he. At the end, you know, he's like, you stupid bitch or whatever. He's going like, ooh, yeah. 10 p.m., you know, like put the kids to bed. It's, uh, it's not that it's badly acted or anything. It's it's everything's done competently enough. It has good special effects for sure. You know, it, yeah. it, it, it maintains the the production value of the show is, is as good as, as ever. You know, you have, it's never too in your face or corny or over the top in that aspect the special effects are convincing they're minimalist and they they work um they're only it's only humorous because of the context of what you're seeing you know like okay. watching this guy
1: get strangled by an invisible force is just kind of it's funny and well, slapping him around a little bit that that got a bit Sam Raimi there for a second but they were smart enough to cut away after a couple hits
0: yeah yeah i, I think cuz cuz again like you said they if you overdo it you run the risk of it being too Sam Raimi and then too deliberately funny, but it was still funny. I mean, just because uh, the moment that I, I thought he looked like Kramer, you know, like slightly younger Kramer, um, and then just getting, you know, slapped around and getting choked out and all that, um, it's still funny, just in theory, but.
1: I like that he kicks the door in, pops open his switchblade like a greaser villain and tells his partner to go ahead and draw the bath. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, here we're we're here to do it. We get to do it again. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. So and so then, like, the implication is that these are the same two uh, sons of bitches who did the, the other guy, right? I mean, I, they 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 stage that suicide. That's what they do, you know. Um, it, it was kind of it was kind of weird because the same evening, like, I watched this and then, but shortly before this, I watched some CSI. I watched the CSI episode that is also about a killer staging suicides. In bathtubs, so I just thought, ah, oh, it's strange coincidence. wasn't planned, but it came out that way. But yeah, I mean, again, like that's an interesting concept, you know. But I mean, it doesn't really belong in the X Files, the, the mysterious murders, you know, because X Files is about supernatural weirdness. So obviously, if it were just some serial killers staging suicides, well, that's not gonna, you know, that's not good enough. So you got to add something else. You got to add the detail of. Let's make it a ghost that wants revenge for this. Okay, that's good. But but hang on, he wants revenge because his his, his partner had him killed. Okay, fair enough. Because his partner was selling weapons to terrorists. Because, you know, and, and so on and so on. And he felt and he felt so guilty about the no yeah because they throw in that whole thing too about like he's guilt ridden yeah. because of the bombing. So that's that's why it's convincing that he killed himself, in theory. But if but if that's supposed to be a secret why would that be the motivation cuz uh, i am assuming that it's not supposed to be common knowledge that this uh this company is selling weapons to terrorists so him being guilt ridden about that is not something that anybody would know right i mean but i guess it's it's so that people in in the inner circle won't suspect anything i guess i don't know it's just a lot of details a lot of stuff going on and but not really making a lot of sense. And that's that's ultimately what it is. And I'll also say that there is a possibility that when this played in 93, maybe it just was so off the wall that people were more taken by it. You know, I, I would have to see what retrospective reviews say of it, but I would imagine maybe in 93, this has slightly, maybe just the off the wall nature of it just seemed fresh and when you sit back and watch it now you go like wait a minute what is all this
1: i don't know well, i can i can as someone who watched it the night it aired because i know i saw this one when it aired and have seen it a few times since i don't quite remember what my reaction was but i I can tell you this for a fact i knew when i hit play on it that it was the dead boss as a poltergeist protecting the secretary that was the Effectively the daughter he never had. I remembered that. I remembered that the other boss was corrupt and that he was behind it I remembered absolutely nothing about the terrorists or the NSA or anything else from the episode. My mind had just toned it down to a single basic concept and that is absolutely not what this episode is What are you doing, Scully? You don't believe Mulder, there's no such thing as ghosts or psychokinesis I'm sure there's an explanation, but I believe that she believes. And my priority is to get her to help us stop Dorland. Well, we may have just sacrificed our best opportunity to observe spectral phenomena. No, I'm giving us the chance to solve a case that's tangible instead of chasing after shadows.
0: And there you have it. I hope you enjoyed our discussion. And if you did, please subscribe to the podcast, give us a like. Take a minute to write a positive review and go ahead and spread the word on social media. The podcast is available on Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other platforms. Look for the Erics Antoine Network on Facebook. You can also follow me on Twitter at EricsAntoineNet and check out my film reviews on Letterboxd. You should also check out Daniel Baldwin's website, theschlocketeer.com and follow him on Twitter at Daniel W. Baldwin. I'm Eric Antoine and I'll be back in a few days to talk about Ghost in the Machine, which has nothing to do with that forgotten 90s horror movie directed by Rachel Talalay, or much less the song by Sarah Brightman. My dear friend Natalia Castro will be chiming in from Colombia for that one, and I hope you'll join us. So until then, let's all remember that the truth is out there. See you next time.